I remember when I was a young Christian, a, a preacher got into the pulpit and he was preaching from Exodus. And I really still wasn't sure where everything was in the Bible. And he must have seen my face as I was going through my, my Bible. And he then uh, just said, go to the beginning and hang a right. Still didn't know what he meant, but, you know, that's okay. I found the book eventually. Uh, book of Exodus, <laughs> chapter 33. This chapter begins, and the story leading up to it, at this point in Israel's journey is that God is about to bring them to the promised land. And he's vowed to clear out all of the enemies. But because of Israel's sin before the Lord, he has vowed to clear out the enemies, but not go with them. That's a sobering thought. And yet so many Christians today would be perfectly satisfied with the blessings of the Lord without the presence of the Lord. And we want to zero in on that today. So that's what kind of brings them to this point. Exodus chapter 33, I'll begin reading in verse number 7. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his own tent. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. We'll continue later. We'll stop there for now. Life is about relationships. Anyone who is arrogant enough to tell you, I don't need anyone, is lying. And lying to themselves most of all. Of all the types of relationships we have, perhaps near the top of that is friendship. The overall importance when we're in a time of crisis, you want your friends around you. Friends, in theory, are supposed to be there to help resolve conflicts. And Jesus wore the banner, and I believe wore it proudly and gladly, that he was a friend to sinners. Anyone who has a good, strong friendship will tell you that it takes effort. It doesn't just happen or pop into being overnight. They will also tell you it requires time. Time for it to grow and mature. Friendships require time, which means you're not just finding time for the friendship, you're making time for the friendship. And they require a place where you can be together. 
Friendships need a place that belongs to both of you, that place that is sort of the place of the friendship, a place where it can be a priority. And that's the kind of friendship I believe God wants with you and me as his people. A place where you can just be with him. Don't have to do anything or provide anything. Don't have to impress anyone. Just be. A place just to sit where friends can talk. In verse number 7, it said, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, the tabernacle of meeting is what it's called. We all lead such crowded lives. I remember years ago, which means, yes, I'm old. When you would go to the store in the beginning or the, uh, of a new year or the end of an old year, and you would pick up a planner to have you be able to look at the things going into the future for that year so you could plan. But I remember distinctly changes as life went on. You would first go and get a year at a glance. Then they started making a month at a glance. Then they started making a week at a glance. Then they made a day at a glance. I'm still waiting for an hour at a glance. It hasn't happened yet. But we lead such crowded lives, and it's difficult when lives are so crowded to make time for one another, to get to know one another, so that those, those what can be surface relationships can become friendships. Sometimes you just kind of got to get away or be in certain groups of people so that you can be together. And at times far away, and that's what Moses is doing here. He's leaving the camp where all of Israel is gathered and kind of getting away. It may not have to be far away in distance, but we need to find a place where you can gather together privately with God. Where that friendship can be cultivated, where that friendship can be matured, where that friendship can be prioritized, where that friendship won't get distracted. Moses needed to hear from God because he was not satisfied with going into the promised land or having the blessings of God without having the presence of God. Moses needed to focus without distractions. Moses needed to be in a place where he could be sure he was, being, he was able to communicate with God. Yet where he was, everybody was watching. Because true friendships grab your attention. They really do, because everybody wants one. So the Lord spoke to Moses, it said, face to face. Now, that's an expression, and it'll explain later that it really wasn't physically face to face. But it's an expression that can be translated literally open and honest. Because friends are honest with each other. Friends speak with honesty and equality and directly and openly. This is how the Lord spoke to Moses. This is how the Lord wants to speak with you and me. Now, what do I mean by honesty? Let's go back to Exodus chapter 33 and pick it up in verse number 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know when you will send, whom you will send with me. 
Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. I was talking with someone recently, and we were talking about those seasons of life when you just don't understand what's going on. Ever experienced anything like that? You just don't get it. And the person was kind of uh, upset with themselves because they were they're going through a difficult season. It just seems that things are piling on top of one another, thing after thing, and they were turning to God in prayer and asking why, and then they felt bad for that. And I just said, but God doesn't mind questions. You can be honest with God. There are things that God has led me through in my life that he and I have had to have a good sit down about. Because God, I didn't understand why this happened. I would have done things a little bit differently. Now I know you're God and I'm not. But if you want my advice, Lord, which he's never sought it, I would have gone in a different direction. Sometimes we don't understand things. And that lack of understanding is okay with God. Because that's how friends relate to one another. I think sometimes we approach God and make him out to be so far off. Or only approach him if we can manipulate the situation like he's some puppet. But we can be honest with him. Now others may not be able to handle honesty. But I can assure you God can He's got no chip on his shoulder, and he's got no ego to bruise. He wants to be your friend. Moses was honest about his doubts. If I have found grace in your sight. Now, the answer to the question is, yes, you did find grace in my sight, Moses, but he still had doubts, and we can bring our doubts before the Lord. Moses was honest about his fears. You know, this task you're sending me on is a pretty big task. Who are you sending with me? And Moses was honest about his needs. Please show me your way that I may know you. And God responded in verse 14 of Exodus 33. And he said, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest or peace. No jumping through hoops. No proving stuff to me. No false pretenses. When his presence comes into our lives, one of the byproducts of the presence of God should be this amazing sense of rest. Now, the Hebrew word for rest there literally means comfort and peace. A still place you can stay in. A place where you can be quieted and feel secure. Isn't that what friends should do for one another? A place where you can feel Restful, a place where you're not having to put on airs, a place where the masks come off. That's what God, your friend, wants to do for you and me. He wants us to be in a place where when we come into his presence, we're not uptight. But we can rest in his presence. Exodus 33. Pick it up in verse 15. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how 
Then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us. So we shall be separate, your people and I, and all the people who are upon the face of the earth. I'm sorry, but there are too many believers, too many people in the body of Christ who are gauging their standing within God's system or gauging their acceptance of, by God based on the things they have. That if I know I'm right with God because of the blessings I have, because of the way he's done things for me. But how many know the Bible is clear? He reigns on the just and the unjust. It's going to rain on everybody. I'm not satisfied with just his presence, his his blessings. I want his presence. If your presence doesn't go with me, it doesn't matter what I have. It doesn't matter how many bills are paid. It doesn't matter how many things I have that I can point to. I want the presence of God in my life. We're nothing without his presence. We can do a lot of good things. And things that the Lord may put his hand on and bless. We can impact people in a lot of positive ways. But without his presence, those things lose their value. If your presence doesn't go with us, my actions are meaningless. You and I have a wonderful opportunity each and every day to walk with him daily in his presence. Not just here in church, not just when we have special times together or special meetings, and not just during those things we call retreats, where we can get away and focus on the things of God. But daily, God wants to walk with you each and every day. Simply because he wants to walk with you each and every day. Chapter 33, staying in Exodus today. Verse number 17. And so the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And then Moses said, Please show me your glory. God let Moses know that he was his friend. What an amazing feeling to know that God is your friend. How do I know? Because he found grace in his sight. There are enough people on this planet in whose presence I find judgment or I find criticism or who I find rejection. But in the presence of God, you and I as his people find grace. Not constant requests for performance, Not, let's see how much higher you can jump today than I got you to jump yesterday. Not constantly being measured, yet never being accepted. Moses found grace in the presence of God. And even in receiving grace, he still had one more request of his friend. Please show me your glory. That's an amazing request. Moses had the good sense to begin it by saying, please. (laughs) Help me understand your power. Help me understand more of you. Help me see what you see. Help me see what you see in others. Help me see what you see in me. 
Help me see the possibilities of what happens when anyone puts their all in all into the hands of God. And he had the common sense, as I said, to say, please, not demanding, because that's not how friends talk to one another. I have so much to be thankful for. All of us have so much to be thankful for. He has brought us so far. He has provided so much and has proven over and over again that he's not only a good God, he is a faithful God. And yet, we each wake up every day and we're human. If you're not human, you can raise your hand now. I'm so glad nobody raised their hand. (laughs) Mean being human, you have doubts sometimes. You don't understand things. That person I was speaking with, when I was trying to explain to them that it's okay to ask why, they asked me if there ever been times in my life when I asked why. I said, yeah. And I just went right to the biggest one that I can remember quickly, and that was the day my mom died. She had, I've shared much of this, She's, she had been in a car accident that left her pretty much crippled, and then two and a half months later, she passed, and as, we were, as I was leaving the hospital, or coming down in the elevator to meet my family that was coming out from the Bronx, I just kept saying to God, why? This doesn't make any sense to me. Now, I don't get too much into the mystical. God's presence to me is real, yet seldom been audible. But if ever there was a time I heard the Lord speak to me, it would have been that time when I told him, Lord, I can't handle this. I can't deal with this. And I heard something say within me, I disagree. Now, I would have loved a much better word from the Lord than that. I really would have. Because I was only thinking in my power, in my flesh. But with God, all things are possible. Even the things you don't want to be possible. We have doubts. I still need to be reminded on a daily basis that I have found grace in his sight. We have found grace in his sight. But pastor, yesterday I really messed up. You have found grace in his sight. But you know how I spoke to my child? You have found grace in his sight. But when my coworker yelled at me, you should have heard what I said to them. Church, you have found grace in his sight. Now, because of all those things, you may not have found grace in the sight of other people. But you have found grace in the sight of the almighty creator of the universe and the one who died for you. So, Lord, show me your glory. Isn't when we gather for prayer or we gather for special services, isn't that what we want? Lord, show me your glory. Reveal yourself. And we have the good sense as well to say, please, 
And God honored Moses' request. Yet in honoring Moses' request, he understood Moses' limitations. Pick it up in verse number 19. Then he said, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see my face and live. And the Lord said, here, in a place by me, you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Moses, God's friend, had limitations. No man can see God and live, at least not until we leave this earth. Yet God's desire was to make all goodness, his goodness, pass before him. That his desire for each of us is the same. He wants to let you know his goodness is nearby in each moment. And that's how we should be with one another. So God hides Moses in the cleft of the rock. This passage in Exodus chapter 33 has inspired many throughout history, including one, the Reverend Augustus Toplady, an English minister born in 1740. Now, he lived a short time, only 38 years. But the story is told that he was walking through the British countryside, and a storm came up quickly, and he found himself with no buildings, no trees, and no nearby cover. Yet, he saw a rock face that had a crevice big enough for him to settle in. And as he hid himself in that space, the Holy Spirit brought to his mind this passage. And he worshiped the Lord while the storm was passing by. While meditating on this later, he would write words that have become a popular hymn throughout church history. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin a double cure, save from wrath, and make me pure. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's commands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look for thee for grace. Foul I, foul I too the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. When I draw this fleeting breath, when my eyes shall close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see on thee my, see thee on thy judgment throne, rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. That's what friends do for one another. That's what God does for you and me. Even when we're going through this unimaginable storm, he says, come, I will hide you in the cleft of the rock, and my goodness will pass by, and all that you're experiencing can be turned, and miracles can begin to flow if we will trust in our friend. 
This, be, this passage begins by calling this place the tabernacle of meeting. Where is your tabernacle of meeting? It could be anywhere. It could be in your home. It could be at the beach. It could be in a forest. It can be in a path. It can be anywhere. It can be in the subways, although highly unlikely. But it could be in the subways. It's a place where friends meet. It's a place where the distractions are put aside. It's a place where you can find that concentration to understand that you have found grace in his sight. That you are loved. You are not hated. You are not looked down upon. Your Savior loves you and always will. The opening verses, again, call this the tabernacle of meeting. A place where friends get together. A place where friends could talk openly with each other. A place where friends could be honest and plain with each other. A place where friends confront and comfort one another. A place where friends can find rest from life's storms. A place that Jesus is for us. He said, come to me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This world is a mess. That's my profound statement for the day. Total, total mess. And the more this world tries to figure out how to solve its own problems, the worse things seem to get. Now, I'll be the first one to admit we all need solutions. We all need answers to a lot of different things. But I am coming to the place in my own life where before I start trying to figure out how to fix something, I need to calm myself. I need to find a place where I can rest. And that place is Jesus Christ. That place is Jesus. So if the world wants to solve the world's problems, I have an answer. They need to come to Jesus. They need to find their rest in the rock of ages. They need to come to the rock who is higher than you or I. That we can get from Jesus what we can also be for one another. A place where friends meet. A very special place and one of the greatest things our friend did for us is he died for us and we're going to celebrate holy communion today remembering what he did so i'm hoping everybody has one of these if not you can let me let just raise your hand we can make sure you get one I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. And we're going to sing a song before. And a little bit after, I'm sure. Because we all need rest.